You're listening to Those Canadian Lads Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jeff and Brad. Good evening, and welcome to the first of hopefully many documentary slash book club on Those Canadian Lads. Tonight we will be diving headfirst, dissecting if you will, an HBO documentary titled Tiger. It will be about the life of Tiger Woods, his epic rise, and his fall back to Earth. And maybe rising up again. But before we get going on that, Brad, how are you doing this evening? I love how you, you brought that in. Diving head first is the pool full of water, because if not, we're going to crack our heads open and smash them right off the get-go here. It'll be a quick episode of those Canadian Lab podcast episode 15. Doc Club, baby, how's it going? I'm great. I'm great. And yourself? Oh, man, it's going pretty good tonight. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this documentary. It was uh, uh, it caught me off guard. I didn't realize it was coming up. It didn't have the same kind of splash that uh, The Last Stand did with the Michael Jordan documentary. But uh, I think this one's going to uh, to resonate with a lot of people out there because uh, obviously everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. Yeah, so like uh obviously you had seen it before I did. Uh I I fin- finally finished watching it last week. It is a two-part documentary, each one's about an hour and a half. So you are dedicating some, you know, some decent time towards watching it, but uh as soon as I finished watching it, I I texted you immediately. I'm like, "We're talking about this documentary." And I'll I'll pre I'll pre-jump into this by saying I'm not a Tiger Woods fan. I've actually not really gotten the allure of Tiger Woods, but I will say this documentary, although unauthorized from the Tiger camp and he did not participate in it. And you can tell there's key members of his family and friends circle who didn't either, but still a a very interesting documentary an interesting take on, you know, his epic rise and his, you know what, and eventually brought him down for the better part of a decade. So definitely a good documentary to watch. Oh, I think it's going to be awesome. The, uh, the doc club is going to be something that, uh, and maybe we'll throw a book in there too, so we'll have to add book to the title, but, uh, it's something that, uh, we're going to do about once a month here on those Canadian lads podcast. And we're going to really try to, you know, dive into different topics and maybe bring some other people within our network, uh, and maybe, you know, drive them into some stuff on the, on the UFO phenomenon or, you know, sports documentaries, things like that, and try to get some different perspectives uh, on things and maybe a different viewpoint. Uh, I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. I love Tiger Woods. I think he, uh, you know, he's, he's rose from the ashes. He's was burnt to the burnt to a crisp and he's rose back up and re uh, recreated his image and his life. And um, again, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that during, you know, our review of the documentary, but, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan. So, you know, we got both sides of the spectrum tonight here with Jeff, a non-fan, probably a Bubba Watson or, you know, Phil Mickelson, uh, uh, supporter and, uh, Brad here with, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, you know, the jammies on. So, well, bef- yeah, before we dive into the documentary, like, we'll touch on a touch on a few things that are going on in the world. Uh, important things are happening all around us. I will say golf's one of those sports, although I really enjoy golf and I, I like playing as often as I can, which is not as often as I'd like, obviously. But one of the things about golf is I've never really understood cheering for an individual. I, I don't get the allure of the individual golfers. Now, having been to a, a PGA event, I will say it is 
a unique event to go to and i highly recommend anyone even if you're a kind of a casual golf fan you should go and you know you you follow a few of the golfers and chase after them and you see some intricacies in their game and you know they interact with the crowd and you get some fun out of that type of stuff but but realistically on a week-to-week basis i really don't care who wins every tournament and i, I probably don't watch as much as the more severe fan so no, for sure. You know, and there's a lot of stuff going on, obviously, in the world right now. There's the uh, the Texas snowfall uh, and cold snap. Uh, obviously, they're getting the polar vortex that we got last week, um, freezing our cojones off uh, up here in Canada, specifically in Alberta and the prairies. And then uh, tomorrow, which is I'm so pumped up for this, is uh, Perseverance, the NASA rover. Uh, the new NASA rover with a helicopter attached to it is going to be doing the suicide run into the thin atmosphere of Mars and uh, all those engineers and technicians and people who built this bloody spaceship and rover are going to be like biting down on their knuckles, just praying that this thing makes it, (laughs) makes it to the surface of Mars in probably our best chance. Um, for potential um, finding, you know, finding a micro- my- microbial life on another planet. So uh, within our solar system. So it's a pr- pretty big day to start those events off uh, with the Perseverance uh, NASA rover. I like, don't get me wrong. Somebody's going to tell me my numbers aren't correct here, but what I had heard was that it's going to effectively go from 20,000 kilometers an hour to nothing and safely land on the planet, which I think an accurate representation of it was from New York to London in 15 minutes, which when you think about it is an insane uh, speed reduction. When this, it, I, you know what I As much as I'm disappointed in humanity constantly, I am utterly amazed what we're capable of doing from the engineering perspective of things. It, it is, it is amazing. We figured that out. Oh, this is just, you know, the brightest minds, the best computers, pulling this together they haven't succeeded yet so you know elon musk keeps blowing up starships <laughs> that are, are planned to go to mars uh, with human beings in them so um he better get that fixed pretty quickly or he'll be uh tanking that uh the stock of his uh pretty quickly with his company but uh i don't know i'm pretty pumped up for this uh this new uh new opportunity to to find uh potential life on another planet so well and i think this is a good segue in regards to the one bit of ufo news i have for oh ufo news you say a little bit of ufo news now it's not necessarily uh anything super interesting because it's not may not be anything new but obviously the american government has come out and said we have 180 days to disclose what we have in regards to uh information that we've been generally hiding from the public well, who knows if it's done or who knows if we just got the first wave, but the CIA dropped 2,700 pages of literature in regards to what they have on UFO knowledge. I I don't know if it's on the Smithsonian website. That's where I had found the information. But effectively, they just data dumped 2,700 pages for viewing pleasure to the general public. Now, it's going to be up to somebody with more free time than myself to comb through that and find the interesting stuff in there. But, but I, I am admittedly shocked. I, I, I would have bet my bottom dollar on with the Biden administration. We were not getting anything out of this. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, mm. um, but that uh, actually came out like five weeks ago. I saw it in the news yesterday. 
Oh, you probably got some some refresh on something. Oh. But the, uh, there's a Twitter feed, uh, a guy on Twitter named the Black Vault. And uh, he was the guy going through the Freedom of Information Privacy Act or whatever. And uh, unless this is new that this I haven't new. seen. This is but new. That was CIA information as well. So yeah, that was new. In the article, they did reference that guy getting that information. Oh, and so this, so is, a, new, this is a new dump. New, 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 new. A new, 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 new dump. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in that whole UFO paranormal universe. Uh, uh, Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon, who were part of um, Tom Long's group, have left his group to the Academy of the Stars oh. or whatever the hell it's gone. So. Um, some 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 shifting, some moving, some new free agents on the market. Um, <laughs> you know, in the whole UFO game, you know, it's, uh, I, it's getting getting crazy. Twenty twenty one. Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Are they gonna let us know what's going on? Or it's entirely possible these guys have just realized that uh, they've wasted three years of their lives, and it's time to just make tail and get out. Oh, so. You know what though? It's it's funny just watching some of these these UFO like crazy people i'll just call it as it is but they're they got all these theories that they're like black ops trying to put out disinformation and all this kind of stuff and i'm like you know what like i don't whatever just tell me if they're here or not i don't think people care they showed us videos uh (laughs) from you know year three years ago or whatever the 2017 you know um navy navy videos and stuff like that like dude like Nobody gave a shit. It's during COVID, so nobody's gonna give a shit now. And most of the Americans are cold right now, so they're not release well, it now. A chunk of them are, yeah, yeah. No, no, it'll be obviously as that. Like, I, I don't think we're getting anything concrete out of the administration, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. The administration. The that's what it's gonna be called from for the next four years. The administration. It's like a, t- it's like a tag team from WWE. Ooh. Uh, in uh, other news, uh, we'd briefly discussed it uh, while kind of setting up the show. Uh, COVID numbers are down uh, across the board. Uh, I know in Alberta they've come down quite a bit. Interestingly enough, actually, if you look at, I think it's the eight Western civil eight eight Western nations, give or take. From two thousand, from January fifth, they've all peaked and started coming down, yeah. and there and there's no reason, or at least no explanation at this point in time, of why that's happening. And I know there was a lot of uh, shutdowns leading into the holiday season, and maybe this is a direct reflection of that. Maybe good move, but it is pretty weird that all of a sudden it just started dropping in every country, and India's is dropped the furthest, which probably wouldn't be affected by the those lockdowns so maybe they're like putting like it like fluoride in the water but they're putting covid vaccines in all our water now and like we're all becoming immune well the the conspiracy theorist in myself is that the aliens who were just infecting everyone with covid have just got tired of it and moved on so (laughs) this is not fun anymore (laughs) but one of the one of the interesting things that came out it was a new york post article um and it was effectively going through the differences between the California numbers and the uh, Florida numbers. Now, two states that are you know relatively similar climates. Somebody would be like, "Oh, it's way more wet at one place." Yeah, Disneyland and uh, fucking Disney World, Calif- California and Florida COVID numbers, baby. Oh yeah, I uh, I'm gonna acknowledge this really quickly to the listener. I really hope that uh, through the magic of editing, that was seamless. <laughs> We're having a little technical difficulty. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Florida. Ten minutes in between. <laughs> but it is it is wild. It's two states that are completely different from each other in regards to how they handled the COVID, you know, disease, and the number of uh, cases per hundred thousand people is almost identical. So apparently, you just shouldn't do anything. I guess. Who did it right? Who knows? Apparently, Florida. They hosted a Super Bowl. Exactly. And they didn't shut down their economy. So there's an argument to be made. If your numbers are going to come out the exact same. And like I get most of my California news from the Adam Carolla podcast. And from what I understand from his podcast, there's it, you can't do anything. So it's you know what a, lockdown. a telltale sign would be uh, deaths. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would wager Florida's is probably higher than due to the older elderly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, anything else before we dive into Tiger? No, we need to need to segue into it. I know you and I are both excited to talk about this uh, fantastic, fantastic documentary. I watched all three hours in one evening. Um, couldn't turn my head away from it. It was uh, it, it was fantastic. So. Jeffrey, um, you know this is your uh, this is your night. This is your doc. You uh, you lead us away. I like how you made it sound like I wrote, directed, and produced it or something. I just I just happened to be st- and starred <laughs> and starred. Well, I think I think the best way to kind of go through it is a little bit of a chronological standpoint. And I, I've picked out a few things that, although I was aware of this in the Tiger documentary in Tiger's life. I think the documentary kind of hit home a few things that I probably wasn't really focused on when it came to him. So as every, the whole world knows this guy is the most successful modern golfer on the planet. And a lot of people would make the argument he's the, mo- he's the greatest golfer of all time. I think he's four behind Mickelson. Uh, Jack Nicholas, three, Jack Nicholas. only three, uh, 15 majors for Tiger. Um, Jack has 18. 18. And he, he does acknowledge in an interview that they are in the thing that his whole career is gearing up for 19 majors. Like he, they ask him, would you rather have a hundred wins or 19 majors? And he immediately 19. goes 19. The answer is 19. So obviously you get a kid like Tiger Woods and obviously he was skilled from a young age, but I don't he, think the word skilled is the exact, he was forced. Pounded so into golf. If you could, if you wanted this documentary summed up, in two seconds, daddy's fucking crazy. Daddy likes golf. Daddy puts Tiger in golf. Doesn't let Tiger do anything else. Bangs white women all over the place. <laughs> but the mom, yeah. is, the, the mom's the same. She was just as much of a, like uh, a psychopath when it came to his development in golf. It's, it's, an, it's nuts, but, but yeah, you're right. You get like a dad in Earl Woods who not only forced his son to just focus solely on golf. But then he fills his head with you're the golden child. You're going to bring people together. You're going to bridge the gap between races. This You're the Messiah. He this, called them the Messiah. It, it's in, it's insane. I could only imagine how, how psychologically damaging that is to a young kid. To oh, just, I, 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 I brainwash my kids with Oilers <laughs> hockey. Like it's evident that I do it. Like it's, do you like Hunter? Hunter's the mascot. You should like Hunter. Oh, look, you like that name? Slater Cuckoo. Cuckoo. It's fun. <laughs> Say it. But Earl Woods took it to 
you know, <laughs> the, like <laughs> we always joke about the old the, the drive home and there's now courses that parents have to take before they put their kids in in sport. And it's the drive home, you know, the, the coaching after the game. You know, Tiger Woods was coached from the minute he popped out of his mom's hoo-hoo. Boom. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say something ruder. I wanted to get ahead of you. <laughs> I wanted to get ahead of you. This is a family podcast. I can't talk like that. <laughs> but that being said, like he, Tiger's dad, Earl, Earl Woods, he, he had a mission. He was on a mission. He, he was a hardcore dude. He, he liked to play hard, party hard. And uh, he took Tiger down that road. And it's just amazing Tiger's life is pretty much, you can see it in this documentary, you know, predetermined essentially to either be a failure, you know, for what happens to him early on in his life. You know, it's amazing. Well, and like, obviously the pressure was there and you're, you're right. You're his dad came from a military background in which his job in the military, when he served in Vietnam, was placing explosives next to where Viet Cong soldiers were officially stationed. That's a dude sneaking in undetected and blowing people up. That's an intense dude, no matter what. But like he, he brought that intensity to the golf course and how he was going to teach his son and how he was going to effectively run his family with his wife. They were militaristic. They were intense on a young tiger woods and I can't help but be drawn to it, and I'm I'm certainly not making any accusations here. But you think of today's modern athlete, and because we're in Edmonton, Alberta, I'm going to use Connor McDavid. It, <clears throat> how many of these people have been through the ringer with their families like this? And how many success stories are driven by that narrative coming from the parents? It it, it can't be just Tiger. It's got to be more. No, I think there's a lot of parents that obviously push their children you know, to the point that either they end up not loving the sport and pulling completely away from it, or they end up excelling, but become train wrecks down the, down the road. Right. You know? Wow. And, uh, yeah. And this is a prime example. And, and, and you know what, it, if this doesn't humanize Tiger Woods, um, nothing will this, this documentary documentary totally humanizes Tiger Woods in the way that, you know, I, I looked at Tiger as just the golfer. Um, that's why I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his, his play on the, on the course, um, the theatrics that he pulled, not his, you know, lifestyle, um, his, um, you know, off, off the course type stuff. No, I never paid attention to that stuff. It was always that, okay, this guy is the greatest of all time. Um, he has transcended the game, just the way he plays. Um, he's a ultra competitor. He wants to murder you on the course. Like he's, like he's that guy. He's the alpha dog on the golf course, which he, there was that one scene uh, when he was playing Phil and uh, he totally tried to get in Phil's head and just like, there's that gamesmanship in golf that they don't really talk about during, you know, the CBS broadcast, you know, they're doing their whispering and oh, tiger standing up to the putt. It's like <laughs> tiger getting in Phil's fucking head right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah. I drove you motherfucker. <laughs> well, and that, yeah. You're referring to when he outdrives him with a three wood. Yeah. And then, and then Phil's like, you usually hit it that far. He's like further. And it's, 
I, at the same time, like I'm amazed that a professional golfer of Phil's stature was completely destroyed by a drive. Like I, I got to imagine that it, there was more than just that there because he's too good of a golfer to have had that happen to him. But hey, maybe it is the intimidation of Tiger Woods. I don't know. Well, they've talked about that throughout the years and, and they have brought that up on broadcasts and things like that. But, um, you know, this kid, you know, just didn't have a normal childhood. You know, they brought his girlfriend in, which there were some pretty hokey type interviews and stuff like that. But like, it was kind of cool to see like him, you know, being loose, being a kid, you know, some of those home videos that she had of him, you know, you know, doing the old saxophone, you know, with the shirt unbuttoned. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that scene. With his like, hair dra- dra- drawn on for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But he was, he was a kid. It's like, hey, this guy you know, one of the richest athletes in the world. At one time, he was just a kid trying to, you know, trying to find his way. But his parents were always in the background controlling the narrative. Well, and, and that was one of the that was that was actually my next point about uh, that I'd written down here was that, you know, she she explains how that's where he was able to be himself. He was able to act like a kid. And then it gets readdressed again later with Rachel Yukatah effectively. But he he was so suppressed that he he was finally able to cut loose when he was hanging out with his girlfriend's family. And then effectively it ends with a letter, a very formal, weirdly written letter that you could clearly tell was not the work of a teenage tiger woods. Oh, he didn't write that. No, of course not. But it's all in the back of like, so he comes home from Stanford to be able to kind of like go see his family, but he sneaks, sneaks back into town on a Friday to be able to go see his girlfriend, and then it comes out in the wash that he that his parents expected him on Friday to be, you know, hit out till Saturday, and they like reprimand him. He's a college age kid seeing his high school girlfriend. Uh, how many how many of us wouldn't go see our girlfriend after being away in college? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it, it's sad, eh? Like it's actually like really sad to kind of see that kind of play out in the documentary on the front end, and then um, it just starts to. To get crazy for him, right? Uh, you know, it was kind of cool though to see how, like, right from an early stage, is like dad was putting him on the pedestal. Obviously, he's getting him on um, the talk show with Bob Hope, and you know, hitting hitting golf balls at two, and then all the TV coverage. Like this kid's been pushed in front of the uh, uh, in front of the media right from you know his first years on the planet. Oh yeah, absolutely, and. Like, and let's face it, it's the media attention and the, you know, the the pressure that the spotlight brings on, which, you know, kind of got, got all this rolling. One of the more telling parts of the, of the movie was, you know, he's taking a picture with a bunch of kids in front of his learning center. And one of the teenage boys gets caught on camera effectively saying to him, like, oh, you must get used to this. And he's like, no, it's always weird. And this is a guy who was paraded by his parents out as a child at this point he's probably been on oprah twice he's in nike campaigns and he's so uncomfortable with it that he's like got this awkward smile while doing it it's just like this is a guy who did not wasn't comfortable doing it i think it's you know at the end of the day he just wanted to play golf well i and i I do think that is probably it well let's let's face it if you're going to cheat on your wife that often there's also part of you that just wants to go get tail which no but you know what he 
that's even deeper i think you know for the, the my favorite part is <laughs> is the part where the 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 golf pro who hung out with his dad all the time oh there's always teenage teenage tiger in the background like so tiger's dad would roll up to the golf course with a motorhome and uh serve cocktails to some of the uh the students that were being taught so some of the 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 ladies at the old golf club and tiger would be probably at the range smoking balls and <laughs> tiger's dad would get was getting his balls smoked but uh <laughs> anyways uh it, it, that's the thing right and this tiger saw that at a young age but to be honest one of the favorite parts of the episode is this you know that golf pro is like ah oh, god <laughs> i gotta do it champ i gotta do it of course you're gonna do it you're getting paid to talk motherfucker you're gonna you'd be they're there to break the news well, and, and that's one of the things, too, and I, I can understand why Tiger Woods and his camp would want to distance themselves from this documentary. You got a bunch of kind of fringe people speaking about it. And, but yeah, like this guy's outlining a story about how Earl Woods is just getting nasty in the in an RV in the parking lot of the Naval Golf Course while Tiger is practicing his swing. And you're just like, it's such a weird scenario. And like, don't get me wrong, like. I, could you imagine knowing that your father is doing that? You're 40 feet away. That's insane. The sanctity of marriage is destroyed in your head. But I, that's I, what I mean. Like his whole life is, has been changed from that point. Right. In the, in the documentary. Right. So in his life, but in the documentary, like that's laying the course now for his future stuff. But yeah, it's, it's messed up. Well, I think one of the things that comes with this too is that because you are a child prodigy of golf and you're thrust upon into the spotlight, you know, you're squeaky clean from that point on. It's just like everything is going to be grooming you to be the perfect specimen to be in the spotlight. Once again, pressure from his father. You're going to be the Messiah to unite everybody. But meanwhile, you're like, well, I should probably get married. I should probably have a family for my family campaign and stuff like that. There's undoubtedly pressure in society that like if you're going to be one of these public figures like that, you have to live a quote unquote certain life or everyone's going to kind of see you as the bad boy or something else. And you don't necessarily want to be seen as that. But at the same time, if you repress the fact that you want to go out there and meet a ton of women, you want to go party with Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, you're going to act out at a certain point. Right there. That's what I want to touch on. So at one point there, he... He starts hanging out with Jordan, Barkley, Vegas, you know, nothing good is going to come of that for him. Right. So, but he's somebody who obviously he's been pinned down, you know, he needs to make some, some, some moves in his life apparently. So he does it and it's, and it's all for the bad, but uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's amazing. Just some of the stuff in this documentary that you kind of learn about him. Um, I think it was the uncle that comes out and, you know, that guy actually, he, he, he gave a pretty, you know, he was pretty generous with, you know, the, the ups, the downs, the falls, you know, he wasn't, you know, given Earl Woods, like they thumbs up your great dad. It's like, Hey, you, you mess this kid up, you know, by some of your parenting choices and, you know, at the end of the day, Tiger and his dad became estranged, you know, like, oh, yeah. and, and then the racialization of, you know, uh, the whole marketing, right. Nike coming in and they just tried to, to racialize it. Right. And um, 
I think that backfired in some ways because Tiger comes out and he kind of denounced that he was black by saying he was like Kablasian or whatever whatever terminology he used. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't think that was just Nike. I think they took, I think the family and the people around him took a calculated step in regards to how are we going to market this to everybody else? And I don't think it's any coincidence that we're, we're talking about the mid nineties. The most popular athlete on the planet at the same time is Michael Jordan. This is at the the height of the Bulls campaign. You mentioned the last dance, I think, earlier. This is right when the last dance is taking place effectively in real time. And Nike is going, we have the next Michael Jordan of a different world. And his camp's going, we're the next Michael Jordan of this world. So they went right into that campaign mode with it. So, And he he was. Yes, he was. He was. He brought new viewers to golf. You know, white, black, anything. You know, like he brought people, people's eyeballs to this, to the screen to watch golf, that have never ne- had never watched golf before. This guy tore up the PGA Tour from like 1997 to like to like 2008. Just murdered it. Well, and for a decade, and he brought like it, it's no coincidence that 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 was the height of golf's popularity. Um, the Chris Rock joke is that the greatest golfer in the world is black and the greatest rapper on the world is white referencing Eminem. It's just like, it was a time when that was allowed to happen and it golf viewerships down. Is it not like with Tiger, with Tiger, Tiger, when Tiger didn't play totally, there was no next guy, right? There was no superstar. There was a bunch of great players, Mm -hmm. but there was never that next generational player coming in there there hasn't been jordan spieth started to you know take off but every time it, it's funny when you, you see these golfers they get some money in their pockets like rory or jordan at a young age they kind of just like simmer down for a while right it's like too much too much money too fast right it's you know start enjoying life a little bit more stop playing every tournament you know start stop getting out there as much whereas tiger I don't think it was about the money for Tiger. It was about the ego. It was about the win. It was about the kill. And that's that whole militarized, you know, viewpoint that he had in his head, that whole competitive spirit that he had playing the game of golf was going in and getting that kill every week by getting that trophy in his hands. Well, I, I have, we have no doubt that he's a competitive guy. Like he says to, sorry, I'm going to ask you to fact check me on this. It's Stevie Williams, the caddy. Steve Williams. Steve Williams. So, like, when he's got the broken leg. Only his friends call him Stevie. Well, I, we're close, obviously. <laughs> but, but Tiger's got a broken leg. And at the end of this tournament, he hits the most famous golf shot on the planet and a Nike commercial within itself. And William is caddy saying, hey, you got to stop playing. You're going to wreck your career. And he's like, fuck off. I'm winning this. It's like clearly that guy was willing to risk limb and life in order to win the next tournament. It didn't matter to him. He was winning. The guy played with the back that was being torn to bits in front of your eyes. As a viewer, you're like, oh, come on. It's not a big deal. When you dive into the back problems that Tiger Wood was having, like this guy was like near like like the situation where he wasn't going to be able to play with his kids anymore. Well, he was unable to get out of bed. Like, and this is a lifetime of now I, we talked about the military training very briefly. Like I'm, I'm of a belief that if he had diversified his training away from golf and maybe like these young guys that have come up since tiger who 
well, I'm not going to play every tournament. I'm not going to win every tournament. I'm going to take time off. I'm going to go do other things. Maybe his back wouldn't be in shambles. Actually, I can I can 100% say his back wouldn't be in nearly as bad shape as it once was. But you swing with all of your might, weekend, week out, every major, just keep going and going. It's like, of course you're messed up. It was awesome to watch, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> I will... So there's there's three last things really about because anyone can go watch this and learn about Tiger Woods. We're not going to give you any information you don't know or the, something the documentary uh, doesn't touch on. But there's three things that really got me going, and the first one is referencing the back injury. So this is a guy who gets a it's a DUI, but I, I don't know the American terminology for it. But he was so messed up on pain medication because of the back that when he's pulled over, he doesn't know what state he's in. I was actually, I felt sad for him. Yes. You know, when I first knew, saw the news story, it's like, oh, here we go again. Tiger Woods, you know, fucking driving under the influence. But it's like, no, you know, when you look at the a news story, I'm like, and then you watch this documentary, you're like sitting there like, man, this poor motherfucker has been through so much. You know, yeah, he's made some bad choices, but like, this is, this is just a guy, right? Who's, you know, if, if he, if he is anything now to me, he is a human being who, has just battled and he's had like, yeah, he makes a lot of money, but he's had a lot of shit in his life. Well, as somebody who quite frankly, when that mugshot came out of him doped up and he's, you know, not clean shaven, he's looking a little worse for wear. There was t-shirts floating around with that picture on it. I thought they were funny and cool. And like, this is like four years ago. So it's not even like, I was like, Oh, I was a 17 year old kid. No, I was like 34. Uh, It's a shame. It shouldn't be celebrated. It, it, this is a guy who, you know, via the DUI, it was a scream for help, effectively. And yeah, you're right. This is a human being who we just, we loved watching the downfall of it. And uh, it, it's it's a sad, it was a sad part of the documentary for sure. And, and this is why in 2019, when, when Tiger won the Masters, 11 years between major championships for him. When he walked up to that 18th green, a tear rolled down my cheek. I'm not going to lie because what he did, where he came from with his back injury, with his personal problems, you know, this guy, this is the, like, honestly, this is one of the most amazing achievements in sports. Like personalized, whatever fan of the guy, whatever. This is one of the most amazing comeback stories in the history of professional sports ever. Well, and you segued it perfectly for me. You're right. One of the best stories of Tiger's career is the comeback at Augusta National at the Masters. Fuck Augusta National and fuck the Masters. The f- the fucking hypocrisy of Billy Payne going out and lecturing Tiger Woods about what he's doing in his family life and how he's acting out in public. You're a golf associate. You're a golf club. First off, screw you. You're not important in the society. Second off, you didn't allow blacks into 1990 and you didn't allow women into 2012. Screw you and your fucking organization in regards to being holier than thou about the mistakes of another human being. You guys are a hateful organization and I, I don't care. My dad's been to the Masters. He loves it. It speaks of reverence of it. I, I don't. I don't. I'll never have an opportunity to go. I won't go 
Screw that. Was our chance at winning the lottery, Jeff? I I refuse. It is. And I'm listen. No, I, I was on my notes tonight to talk about that as well. That that chastising he took in public, and, and it's one of the commentators on the documentary called it a public whipping, and it was. It it, it, it was that southern chastising in public. You know, a white golfer would not have gotten that. Did Dustin Johnson get that when he got into some of his drug problems? I don't. Did not, they chastise? Not, no, not to that level, though. No. no. And there were parts of the documentary where uh, I and I, I can't remember the name of the journalist who referred to it as that. And I agree with that journalist. And I agree with what you're saying. I know Bryant Gumble had said a few things in regards to some race issues with Tiger that I, I may or may not agree with or disagree with. I just felt it was a little heavy handed. But when it comes to an organization like Augusta National coming out and being like, well, we're going to put Tiger Woods in his in his his place. It, it, the hypocrisy is beyond measure, in my opinion. I I cannot imagine that you take the golden boy of your of your sport, who is clearly struggling with things going on. And everyone's like, oh, well, he just cheated on his wife. No, no. Look, there's all types of evidence that things around him are crumbling. And you guys get on your high holy horse about it. Unreal, in my opinion. And that's the other thing. It's like people jumping on. They always want to see the guy at top fall. And I think, you know... And it even happened this year is like, instead of wanting Tom Brady to lose this year, the Super Bowl, and not that I wanted them to win because you would have had a fantastic day. And which I did, you know, as a big Super Bowl uh, champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan that Jeff is, uh, I wanted to see the guy, the greatest of all time, continue to be the greatest of all time. And I didn't want to see him fail. I, I, and I think that's maybe a shift in my age, just you know, growing up a little bit in the sense that, you know, there's that whole mindset of just, it's fun to watch people fall. And there's, there really isn't anything fun to watch about that anymore. Like, I don't know if that's just, you know, just changing as you get into your forties or something or, or whatever, but you know, or I don't know, it's just, uh, 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 yeah, that's, 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 that's how I feel about that. And that whole thing with Billy Payne, you know, and he's no longer the, the chair, of the uh, master's tournament, which is a good thing. Cause after this documentary, I'm sure there would have been a, a little bit more backlash than there probably was. But uh, at the time that wasn't a news story. Plus the world's changed. Right. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, you're right. Like I, I'm, I agree with you as, as a younger man, I probably would have been like, yeah, I relish the story of watching the mighty fall. And now as I've gotten older, I've realized I'm like, that's eh, not really a story I want to hear, but, but this brings me to my final point my final big thing about the documentary and the individual, I'm not even going to, I don't have the name in front of me. So I do apologize. I really should have been better uh, uh, prepared for this, but the dude from the national Enquirer, who, Oh fuck. Yeah. Which is who is wearing a, a fucking bow tie. He's got, I think hate tattooed on his fucking knuckles. I'm sorry for swearing so much in this. This is a tiger woods documentary. So I don't need to lose my mind, but, but this guy summed it up perfectly. his, gross deceitful organization you know goes to extreme lengths to prove that tiger woods is having an affair and cheating on his wife goes to the extent of retrieving a tampon from a parking lot where tiger and somebody have met up and then they 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 use it for a kill and release sorry a catch and kill story so that he'll appear on another publication but 
that okay that's a business transaction i can kind of get that thing to a certain extent the dude summed it up perfectly who was tiger woods and why we needed to destroy him he effectively talked of tiger woods as if tiger woods had gone above and proclaimed himself to be better than everybody else and then they felt the need to tear him down this is a problem in society it is disgusting and it's one of those things too. There is a lot of talk of free speech going on in North America, in the world. There is a lot of concern about what people are saying, but how can we never object to the stories being told about celebrities and what mistakes they make in their public in their public lives? And I kind of will admit a little bit of hypocrisy here. I watched a documentary about exactly this. This is an unauthorized documentary where two guys recorded and made a bunch of interviews about the people around Tiger Woods and telling his story without him being able to weigh in himself. So there's a little bit of that as well. But this has gone, we don't, why don't we ever care about this type of stuff? Because celebrities are, are oh, they'll, therefore they'll be fine. They're not human beings. They have money. We've, we've celebrated them for so long. Therefore we get to pull them down. It's disgusting. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, it's, and it's gotten worse and worse. And I think part of the documentary series is we've got to get in this this free Britney uh, campaign, the Britney oh. Spears. Because, uh, again, another celebrity who the poor girl's dealing with some probably obviously huge mental health issues. And, you know, people just, again, like tearing her apart where fucking Justin Timberlake came out this week and apologized to, to her and... Uh, and uh, Nipplegate there, um, oh, Janet Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah see but that, like, but... you know, Cry Me a River, the song about uh, Britney Spears cheating on him and, and things like that. Like the whole piling on uh, of her at that time, which just obviously caused her a lot of pain and, and, and just, again, develops the road, the path, the pathway of destruction of these people, which don't need this right i can't believe we're defending celebrities but in this in some instances it's it's like yeah it's it's crazy well there's two facets that bother me and one of them is as i stated the people who try to dig up the dirt on these people two they do it because it makes money so as a society we're so fascinated with these people we're willing to pay for the publication, we're willing to pay and watch the advertising on these sites that dig into people's personal lives, regardless of who they are. And don't get me wrong, I understand it's a it's a it's a weapon for these people to expand their brand as well. Like uh, people go on Entertainment Tonight or they give interviews uh, promoting a movie. It, it happens every day. It's self promotion, but it's just like as a society, we're so disgusting in regards to wanting to just like get into the dirt of every person that like it's like. Why Why do we need to see drunken videos of people walking down the street on TMZ who have just gone out with their friends or family and maybe had a blown up with their family? Maybe they're going through a difficult time. We don't watch anything. We don't get any context. All we do is just relish in the fact that they are being torn apart in front of us. And it, you know what? We have a lot of problems going on in society. And when I, when I was watching this documentary, this was one of the things that just kept hitting home on me. It is – we do this far too much. We don't need to know this much about people. There was a time when Frank Sinatra probably was cheating on his wife, driving home drunk. And when he got pulled over by the cops, he slipped the cop of 50 and his driver's license and the cop escorted him home. I'm not saying that's right, but it was probably good that we didn't know every detail of his life. And that's where we've come off the rails. Well, the access to information, cameras 24 seven on these people, they can't live a, a, a life. And, um, 
you know, at the at the at the end of the day, like they're doing something good for the world in the sense of they're artists, you know, movie movie stars. Let's let's use actors. I'm not even going to call them movie stars. Actors and directors and people in the movie industry, they create things for us to enjoy, right? And that goes for musicians and you know, at the heart of it, this is this is art, right? Th- these people create art for humanity to enjoy. Athletes play for the fans. It's a form of expression and art as well for people to, you know, follow. And it, yeah, it is disgusting. Society has gone too far. You know, growing up in the 80s and early 90s, it wasn't like this. You know, it wasn't, it, there that, that access to, you know, pick up your phone and and tweet at Tiger Woods, you piece of shit, you piece of garbage, you suck, I hate you. You can say that to Tiger Woods right now on your phone. He won't respond to you, but you can say that to him. He might. Yeah, like, why would you say that to me? I don't even know you. But but I, I think it's a little bit different because Tiger puts himself out – like, okay, not saying Tiger. Uh, a celebrity puts himself on social media so that they can interact with their fans if they choose to. But – this is this is new quote unquote news organizations and other people going out of their way to try to track down information about these individuals and then do a salacious story about it. That at least if Tiger Woods goes on uh, Twitter and tells somebody to go screw themselves, or LeBron interacts with a fan at a game and says and tells them to screw off himself, I have no problem with that. That's your choice. But it's like when somebody goes rooting through LeBron's garbage to try to prove the fact that he like. Uh, cheats on his wife and I'm, I'm obviously i'm not saying lebron cheats on his wife but that's what they did to tiger they went looking for the details what was wrong with the guy just going for a drive who knows where he would end it up who cares why do we have to report it well yeah absolutely i couldn't agree with you more yeah um it's yeah let's let's leave celebrities alone they've been through enough well <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll put it this way like at, at the end of the day there's they're, they're going to go promote people are going to go promote stuff they're going to give interviews they're going to say things that they probably didn't mean to say and people are going to fuck up along the way say la vie we need to stop focusing on that we need to stop paying attention to that type of stuff and we need to focus on things that are actually more important in our lives and leave it be you don't need to focus your whole livelihood about, about it just forget it it's not enriching your life either unfortunately jeff it 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 comes down to money and there's a sector of the population that's willing to pay that money to get that, that information in front of their eyes. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, unfortunately it's become such a big business that, you know, the morality of it all is out the door, right? It's now about, you know, you know, but the business probably, yeah. But the business exists. Like we talked about with Bo p- choosing what he wants to do with his dollar. If you choose to do with your dollar, I'm judging you for it. That's what I'm saying. Is like is it because if everyone stopped, if everyone looked away and stopped paying attention, there'd be nothing to make money off of. Like, and we could just listen to the individual put out their own message and judge them accordingly on what they said and did in that context, not what went rooting through their stuff. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> okay, the segue away from rooting around in garbage. <laughs> what I loved about this documentary, not only the I, I love the editing. I love how it was kind of put together in the, in this story. They built a story from the moment he was born till 
where he is today. I love how they pieced it all together. And, and, you know, the closing of the, the documentary is him, you know, walking, you know, through the, the gallery at the masters with his son, Charlie, who, man, I don't know if you've seen this kid swing a golf club, but uh, he has some uh, potential talent. So uh, he doesn't have a bad coach in, in his dad. And I'm sure he'll be uh, uh, trained a little differently than, than Earl, but uh one of the things though. they do, one of the, I don't know if you know this guy's name, but uh, Wright Thompson from ESPN, um, he does essays, kind of how like Stephen Brunt does essays for Sportsnet and things like that. But he does uh, essays for ESPN. Um, go back and try to watch some of these essays that Wright Thompson does. Um, he's a contributor to this documentary as well, but um, he's a Southern boy. Uh, he's just got that classic voice. I'm all about just the, that broadcasting and like, you know, the, the, the content and the producing and, you know, how they put these things together. And, you know, I just love that they added Wright Thompson to it. Cause I'm a huge fan of his. And um, actually that was one of the, I geeked out of like, it's Wright Thompson. This guy's fucking amazing. I, uh, Wright Thompson doesn't carry the same amount of clout with me, but uh, I will go, I will go look up some of that stuff, but yeah, I, yeah. Will, I will say, obviously I think we're in agreement. The documentary is worth the watch. Oh, it's uh, so good. So, it was so good. It's definitely you'll, I think you'll come out of it, listener, with a not an appreciation for Tiger Woods, but an understanding of Tiger Woods. Well, I think I think you you put it perfectly uh, really early on in the podcast here is that it humanizes Tiger Woods. So it gives you the opportunity to see the the human facets that this guy truly is and what he went through. And, you know, maybe do a little self-reflection on how you would have fared in that situation as well. And because of that, I enjoy the documentary. So, if we had a ranking system, Jeff, what would you rank this documentary? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say out of five, uh, five Canadian lads, as I think you ranked something earlier on, or last episode. I'm gonna say it's a four. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna say it's a four. The the only thing that I didn't really appreciate, I'm, I'm gonna say, is just a criticism, and I find this about a lot of things when it comes to. Um, uh, not necessarily documentaries, but more specifically movies about celebrity. Like I'll go to the Muhammad Will Smith Muhammad Ali movie. Like nothing against the movie. It's just I didn't learn anything new throughout it. And I'll I'll say that too. Like I didn't learn any really new facts about Tiger. I just that I got a different appreciation of who he was as a human. So I enjoyed it. I'll say four out of five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four out of five as well. I don't think we're going to uh we got to find something that we can debate a little harder because I think both of us really enjoyed this, uh, this documentary, but I'd give it a four or a five. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of it. I'm hoping he can get to that 19 number, at least tie Jack Nichol- Nicholas. Um, it seems like there's a, there's a definitely a, a rivalry there with him and tiger in the sense that uh, Jack likes to be, be on top. You know, he's in his, you know, we're either early seventies or late sixties, and he's uh, not willing to give it up. <laughs> the oh. the knowledge that he's the goat, right? So, um, yeah. But uh, I think that image of Tiger, you know, raising his fists in the air, I uh, was on the uh, front page of Sports Illustrated. Will go down as you know one of the most iconic, um, you know, maybe sports images of our generation. You know, there's there's images from our parents' generation. There's, you know, the Cassius Clay, Sonny Liston. There's uh, the Jack Nicholas walking the putt into uh, the hole. Um, you know, the the Gretzky, you know, there's a new kid, 
new kids on the block, you know, Bob Cole image of them raising the Stanley cup. You know, I think tiger, you know, raising his fists in the air in 2019 comes down to as one of the, the most iconic um, sports moments in, in our, in our, on our generation, really. Yeah. Couldn't agree anymore. Uh, as I said, I'm not somebody who was a Tiger Woods fan. I'm not somebody who cheers for individual golfers, but we all know the story. We all know who he is, and we've all seen the images. It is exactly that. But one last thing before we let go of this, though. Uh, one of the most awkward images and little video clips about it is uh, after his father has passed away, and he's hugging uh, Steve Williams. And you can tell Steve Williams just wants to let go of that hug and get out of it as quickly as possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but Tiger won't let go. And I'm like, oh, that's a hurting human being, man. That guy needed that hug. <laughs> so. Well, and that's the worst part of it is that, you know, you're experiencing all this emotion. There's millions of people watching at home. There's thousands of people watching you at the golf course. And you're just a blubbering oh. mess of emotion. You know, obviously someone who's lived with a lot of emotional pain throughout your life. And <laughs> to, for it to come out at the end of a golf tournament. Uh, and the only person there is your is your buddy, Steve. Uh, you know, who, who you cut off, who, you, who, uh, who in like three short years, you'll cut off completely. So, yeah, so yeah. anyways, but, uh, uh, yeah. So I said, a dear listener, I think you can uh, take our recommendation and go out and watch this HBO documentary. Uh, before we wrap up for this evening, Brad, anything else of interest you want to discuss? No, not tonight. I think we've covered everything that we need to cover. Those Canadian lads uh, doc uh, session is going to be good. I'm pretty pumped up for the next one. It's going to be Area 51, Bob Lazar. Um, I'm, I'm checking it right now. I don't know if you've seen it, Jeff, but uh, I think we'll be exposing it to a few people in our network of uh, of maybe non-UFO followers and see if we can get some feedback on our next uh, doc session. I think that'll be perfect because it won't take us too long to watch a new documentary and digest it and then, you know, give our listener a really good opportunity to get an idea of what it'd be before they go watch it. And if it gives us two months to knock down a book, we can do that at the same time, discuss that in the third month. Perfect. I do have, I do have a book because I was watching a pod, the Jordan Peterson podcast for the first time. I'm not an avid listener of Jordan Peterson uh, podcast, but he was interviewing uh, Matthew McConaughey. And uh, Matthew McConaughey has a new book out uh, called uh, Green Green Light, I think. Okay. So, yeah, I thought it was it was actually a pretty interesting conversation. I'm I'm sure it was. I I'm not super enthusiastic to read anything Matthew McConaughey wrote, but sure, why not? <laughs> He's a professor, man. Of, isn't it like of acting? <laughs> But he's good at it. Oh, that's totally arguable. (laughs) He's what name a lot of his good movies. That one he was in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. In no interstellar. He was fucking great in interstellar. Ah, that's more Christopher Nolan than him. I don't know. He's also in a movie where he plays a midget. What? Yeah, it's called like happy, not happy feet. It's something like that. we'll, We'll make sure we have that correct for when we read his book. So. I don't think you're allowed to call him that. I think that's what they called him in the movie. I think I'm like a little, little people. Little man. people. I think it's called little people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we were able to take it down the wrong path tonight, and I like that. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Well, dear listener, thank you for joining us for episode 15. 15, Jeff. 15 episodes. 
<laughs> Who would have thought we would have came this far? There's going to be a 16th. There will be There'll a 16th. Be a, there will yeah. be. All right. Well, I will say, uh, dear listener, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, please, th- uh, I'll say thank you again for bearing with my losing my mind a little bit in regards to uh, my thoughts and feelings about how the public reacts to things. And I'll say good night. Thank you very much. And when you always say, dear listener, I'm only assuming that you think there's only one person that listens to this podcast. So, uh, so dear listener or theirs, uh, thank you for listening and have a great night. <laughs>